windshield time. Yeah, nice and chilly Thursday, the 24th of January. There we go. A little chilly. Nice chilly is just going to be next week. Supposed to be down in Nashville area. Low of 7 and 13 on Monday and Tuesday, it looks like. It's the best part about living in an 80-some-odd-year-old 80, 80 house. You get to find uh, streams of air just pouring through your house when it gets that cold. There's no way you can ignore it. I uh, saw something this morning that I haven't seen in a very long time. And it kind of took me back. Got a little nostalgic. Uh, of how simplistic it was, but you don't see it anymore. Uh, my wife was giving uh, cold medicine to our four-year-old daughter in a spoon. What? What? Kids these days don't know how easy they got it. You got the little cheap syringes that they give out for kids for medicine, and they got the plastic cups. Remember my grandma McKee going around with a, a bottle of Dimatap? Or no, no. Uh, Vicks 44... Was it D? Yeah, Vix 44D, I think is what it was called. I mean, let's be honest. Look at that shit. It's probably like 20% alcohol. That's what made kids feel so good. It wasn't the, the, the straight codeine or whatever was in it. Yeah, it tastes like shit, too. I remember that. I mean, my daughter, I taste some of their stuff from time to time. I'm like, this is just like, like reduced Kool-Aid. That's all it tastes like, grape or whatever. That's probably most of the cost is just, just sugar or whatever they put in it. But, uh, yeah, I haven't thought about it. Like, I mean, that's what, or the, uh, you ever have the, uh, the one, did your mom ever, when you needed to take a Tylenol or something, the old tablets, uh, did your mom ever take and put one in like a spoonful of orange juice or something and let it dissolve so it was easier to take? My mom did. She was, she was good like that. It just got me thinking about it. Like shit like that. I don't, I didn't ever think about from my childhood growing up. But I can't remember the last time I saw a kid actually getting cold medicine with a, with a spoon, a regular spoon. It's kind of weird. Because you think like a tablespoon, oh, it's a tablespoon, but it's really not. So you just kind of eyeball it. Just wonder like how much like parents or grandparents like just gave, your, gave, gave us like way too much. You know, that's what just knocked us out. Like you'll sleep better. I do remember my grandma Francis one time, speaking of sleeping better, my dad and mom were partiers back in the day. And, um, They'd went out to the bar in my hometown, the B&B, which coincidentally the B&B, I think, burned down twice. It was a brick old block building, folks. How it caught fire and burned down. Hey, who who only knows? But uh, they went to the B&B, and uh, the bar had a big eight ball paint on the outside of it at one point in time. But uh, they went to the B&B, and they had a keg at the house, and all the friends and everybody's going to come back to the house because we got a keg whatever and I couldn't have been more than let's see uh seven eight years old eight at the most I don't even think I was eight I was at least yeah seven or eight and um I remember my grandma giving me a couple glasses of beer not like a whole glass but like a couple sips of her beer remember telling me that'll make me sleep better I don't remember how I slept that night so I guess it worked I don't know but there's that threshold you can drink enough to sleep, but then again, you drink too much. Uh, for me, as I got older, it was uh, I'd just wake up with heartburn, you know. So therefore, sleep had gone the shot anyway. So, but yeah, 
Remember that? And I could say my other grandma McKee giving us, like, one kid would need cough medicine, and then all the other kids would gather around, and she's like, well, I already got this bottle of Vicks D, 44D, or whatever the hell it was. Uh, just a big brown glass bottle. It was the same grandmother, too, my grandma McKee, that growing up, we would always find the PA cans, Prince Albert cans, um, the little oval cans uh, all over the place, which is funny now because, you you know, to think that that's the way people got tobacco, like packs of cigarettes. Now, you, I mean, it's nothing. You see cardboard box here or there, but then it was like, so anybody got cigarettes or tobacco was through this oblong-shaped can full of tobacco. Only thing I've ever even seen a can with tobacco in it. We always just thought if we found it, we could open it up and there'd be like money or treasure or something in them. But now in retrospect, looking back, being from Arkansas, I should have known better that there was never going to be shit in them. If anybody in Arkansas had money, they damn sure weren't putting it in a PA can and burying it somewhere. But then again, I imagine that's one of those situations where that has happened and then the can just rusted down and the money is unrecognizable or something. But yeah, we'd find PA cans all over the place at my grandma's house. I think that's where my, whoever was just... We thought they were kind of like maybe full of treasure or whatever. But I'm sure it was just lazy Arkansas just throwing their garbage wherever. You know, we'd find like a chicken coop or this or that. My grandmother, uh, McKee, at one point, I remember growing up, man, they used to have hundreds of chickens out there. Then again, they did have 11 kids, so I'm guessing you're going to need a lot of chickens to feed those kids. And uh, I do remember once, once or twice there being like an assembly line of family members in the backyards harvested chickens it'd be like you know two uncles would be cutting their heads off and then you know two of them would be tending the water that's on open fire you know to scald them and pull all their feathers off and then somebody else would be you know cutting their legs off and gutting them and you know cleaning everything out and then getting them ready to roll it's really kind of unbelievable i've i've done it once or twice and we did it growing up Uh, we butchered all of our own animals it's quite unbelievable if you ever go to process a chicken like at your house or your backyard. I'd recommend the backyard, not in the house. It gets a little, gets a little weird. But uh, to process one from the time of uh, killing them to, the, I mean, it's less than probably five to seven minutes before you got them that looks just like a chicken you get at the grocery store. I mean, to process them, it's, you know, you, you cut their heads off, you know, loosen the skin around their neck, you know, pull the neck through, cut it off, cut their insides, take all their the gizzards, livers, uh, you know, everything out of the inside of them. Uh, cut the, the, like, hinge on the foot, on the leg, where you see, like, a drumstick. The leg, the foot comes right off. And then, uh, oh, before that, sorry. Yeah, wait for that. Because after you kill them, you have a, a warm, really hot water with a little bit of detergent in it because the feathers are oily. And you got to, um, that helps with getting the feathers off. So you just dip them in there gloves helps but they used to do it with bare hand just pull all the feathers come right off and then you need to take a flame like a torch or something take these little bitty tiny feathers called pin feathers and burn those off the skin which is relatively painless you've got all the feathers and then start with the process of the neck and then the insides cut the feet and um yeah loosen up the neck take it out and at that point you have a chicken that looks just like a chicken you get from the grocery store i mean I mean, just clean the insides out, and that's about it. Took the lungs and heart and everything, and then decide what you're going to do with it. I know, it's just kind of a unique, I mean, just a process that I don't think a lot of people, you know, do anymore, but it's, you know, just something that has to get done for every, every chicken, pig, cow, sheep, goat, whatever you eat. Somebody had to be that, had to be in that position 
far as I know, I don't think there's an automated process. They haven't. Chickens are getting close. Chickens and turkeys are getting close, but I don't. There's nothing that's 100% automated. You ever want to like be grateful for what your job is? Just think that to every day that you wake up, there's a person, male, female, hundreds of them, that their whole job is all day, every day to get tractor trailer loads full of chickens like you've seen going down interstate or turkeys, reach into those chick those those cages, pull the chickens or turkeys out, flapping their wings, flinging whatever, God knows what, all over these people. They wear aprons, masks, you know, goggles, but they uh, grab them out and then they, it's called live hang, it's the job, live hang crew, and they take them from the pens after they've been gathered up in chicken or turkey houses. They gather them up <coughs> and then they um, live hang, pulls them out of the cages and then hangs them upside down by their feet. There's these, uh, looks like a metal square, about a foot by a foot square, and in the inside of it, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's kind of like a, 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 a like a V that is on uh, separated at the bottom. You put the legs in there, and that holds them as they go upside down, and they get uh, dispatched most of the time by execution, and then their next cut bled out blah 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 that's why the processing the only reason why i know this is uh my mom closest to where i grew up is the butterball uh butterball and honeysuckle white turkey processing facility and my mom growing up worked on the assembly line of tyson chicken so her job was to cut different parts of the chicken off of the body and process it on an assembly line with a bunch of other people which coincidentally was mostly women my understanding um, yeah, that's what she got up and did most days till I was probably 6th, 7th grade before she went to vocational school and got her nursing degree. So, yeah, that's a chicken life. That's how you process a chicken. All that to say is, uh, yeah, my kids got a little bit of a cold and had to take a little bit of uh, Dimatap or whatever it was today. Whatever name brand uh, stuff we're slipping the kids these days. Day 34, the government shutdown. At least that's what they tell me on the news. It's every day I drive into work. Uh, I drive by Interstate 40. I drive by this facility outside of uh, Mount, between Mount Juliet and Lebanon, Tennessee. It's the people that own Kelly Blue Book, Mannheim. They have this massive facility where they process and auction off automobiles, cars, trucks, vans, box trucks, campers, whatever. It is at least, it has to be at least... 50 acres of just cars as far as you can see one into the other and they keep adding more parking lots and more space and I'm not sure if that's like that goes hand in hand with the economy being good is that you can you know more people are selling cars uh, or getting new cars so used ones are out there um, it's just kind of I don't know every time I go by they're always just uh, uh, plowing another parking lot to add more cars I mean it's like quadrupled since I've lived out here in just like three years. Economy's been doing good, I suppose. But, um, yeah, we got that on one side, and the other side is the Ritchie Brothers uh, construction auction. And it's where everybody, you know, comes to bring all their construction equipment, like if a company's closing, or, you know, sometimes people will buy equipment just for one particular big job, and then when it's over, they'll take and sell the equipment back on the open market. So that's on the other side also. But, 
Oh, she's on her phone. Hey, at least she's not texting. I don't understand the people that put their phone in their lap. I'm one, texting and driving thing still irritates shit out of me. But, like, why would you put the phone in your lap while doing it so you have to look all the way down away from the road and then lift your head all the way back up? Wouldn't it be more legit to, like, hold it on the steering wheel if you're going to do it? Um, I mean, everybody has a talk-to-text to, talk to thing. It works really well. And that's even quicker than if you had to type out a text, just to hit the, the button and just dial it up. Um, yeah, let's see what this dude's doing. I always like whenever you get along with somebody that has those cars, that has the uh, has the indicator light on the windshield that lets you know somebody's close. Like, oh, I'm close. The light came on. But just trying to think of anything else going on this week. That's about all I got. I'm meeting my buddy Luke at this place in Hermitage called Nadine's. Uh, it's in an old pizza hut, and I really didn't have high expectations when I first went there. What's up, kiddo? And they make really good poutine, and their breakfast is stellar. They do a really, really good job. They're really good uh, hot chicken and waffles, which is a hot chicken week, I believe. But, uh, yeah, so got that going on for breakfast, then meeting some dude somewhere else. I can't remember. Yesterday was lunch at Deacon's New South downtown. Brussels sprouts were good. Roast beef sandwich was really good. Trying to think what else I had down there. Anyway, wish there was a little bit more to report other than uh, got through renovation on my bathroom. That turned out well. I think I mentioned that last week. Finally got about 90% of the holes patched up and the walls painted. And we're going to put up some trim just because why not? Try painting our ceilings. Yeah, that's, that's always an adventure. You don't realize how discolored your ceilings are, especially in your kitchen from cooking until you go to try to paint them the, the back to the white color. You're like, oh, shit. This is, yeah, this is going to be a project. Well, that's all I got for this week's windshield time. Let's see if I got time to see what's going on tomorrow. I don't think what's going on this weekend. Other than just prep for the, the freezing temps, man. We're on week number four or five. I'm going 100% gluten-free at the old McCormick household. That's been going well. Uh, found out that there's two things that aren't really good heated up well. That would be uh, spiraled um, or shaved asparagus and root. Uh, what was that? Not rhubarb. Ah, white root vegetable. Kind of like a carrot. Anyway, shaved into noodles and then lightly and, and tossed like stir fry. And then with lump crab meat added to it, it does not heat up very well. And also the recipe that was uh, shrimp tossed in like a tomato type sauce, yeah, it doesn't heat up very well either. I love shrimp and I love tomatoes. It's just a weird combination to me. Maybe if it was like really, really fresh stuff and I was in the Mediterranean and I don't know, maybe I would hope that I would enjoy it more. I just... It was all right. Those are the two shitters out of the recipes we've done so far. And they were good hot. It's just, if you do a good-sized batch, it's just a, a recipe. It's just hard. It's not good to heat up. No one, like, takes a lid off anything crab or shrimp cold, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's going to be good. It's not like fried chicken or pizza that are actually better cold. But, you know, that's some other pretty good recipes for the most part. Well, that's all I got signing off windshield time the only podcast recorded live in the daily commute teaching you how to 
butcher and process a chicken in your backyard. Um, filling you in on the local cast iron news. Um, cast iron price is going through the roof, folks. If you can find any good used cast iron out there, get it now. Price are going up, especially anything Griswold. Um, is really is really going through the roof. Griswold Erie. There's one other one I can't remember off the top of my head, but Griswold especially. Griswold is like the DeLorean of cast iron. Maybe not the DeLorean. They made a lot more of them than that. But Griswold cast iron, especially uh, ones that set flat. They call the ones that are kind of bowed out at the bottom. They just spin, like they call them spinners. Really good for a gas stove, but for like a glass top, they have less value than the ones that set flat. And if you ever see a cast iron skillet that has a bunch of dimples all around the base of it, all around the outside of it, those are hand-hammered ones, and those are worth a lot more than the other ones are. So if you're looking for those too. So all I got filling you in on your local cast iron news windshield time. This is Neil signing off.